If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. What's good, everybody? This is Star Rock, and you are tuned into the City Limits Podcast. Yay! Formerly known as Any Podcast. (laughs) (laughs) She did it! (laughs) I got my co-host, Jay Hall, (laughs) Yana Dahlias, and we have our special guest, Bayshade. Yes. Bay Shade. Bay Shade. Thank you for having me. What up, though, Detroit? Hey, all day. All day. Every day. All day. <laughs> I like doing that when she here because, okay. you know, New York wanted to take over all everything. Day. That's right. It's so In your town. In the in your town. New York minds its business. In your town. We <laughs> here. Look, LA really mind their business. I'm just over here, like, all the way on the West Coast. Like, okay. hey, I'm here. It's okay. We'll, we don't get many moments, so when we get it, we, we, we let you know. That's, That's all right. I'm saying. I'm emotional. Motown, that's a big moment right there. I mean, well, it's, it's, well, it, yeah. we had we had more than Motown. Yes, yeah, okay, we did, okay. and that's Look, our point. That's our point we had right more there. Than Hotel, Motown, excuse me. Exactly. Detroit's Black Renaissance predates Harlem. Talk about it. Ooh. Talk about it. No, that well, that's true. That's historical. Yeah. Detroit was known as the Paris of the United States that's at yeah. that point. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Right. It's a Renaissance city, baby. That's right. Definitely didn't know that. Just know that my ex is from there and don't like that person. So. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. Wow. But it was good while it was good. It was right? good while it was good. Well, I know. She got you. She got you. I know. <laughs> I know. I mean, most people I know from Detroit are cool. You're right, Jay. It's so cold in the D. I mean, how the F are we supposed to keep peace? Like, you ain't noticed I kept ignoring you? Yeah, I know. You ain't noticed I kept ignoring you? That's why I kept on saying He was on the third try. I'm just like, how, uh, look, and I'm going to go through the first verse if you keep on ignoring me. Hey, hey, nice shirt. You know what I'm saying? For the culture. For Wonderful the culture. shirt. That's what we're here for. for That's culture. what we're here for. So um, it's amazing that you came. Thank you for coming you and for talking to me. us. Yeah, so there's a lot that, you know, we want to cover first of all congratulations on everything that you've been doing thank uh, you yeah and then we just talked about you hosting and you know getting yeah, into the was. journalism so tell us a little bit about yourself what you do what you represent you know act as uh, activist makeup artist digital content creator like bad bitch like all That's of that right. okay <laughs> so you know i'm just a multi multifaceted individual i do some of everything i come from a long line of folks who had their stuff together mm. my mother is college educated my father grandfather and great grandparents i'm actually ethiopian and native american wait up I'm half Ethiopian. Look at him. He feel it. Whoa. He feel it. I'm really Eritrean, <laughs> we but, but we were raised Y'all in the same Ethiopia. People. I know that. We are the same people. Like, my family <laughs> was raised in Ethiopia. What? So, so mine is flipped. So I was raised in Michigan with my mom's side of the family, close to our Native American reservation, which is 
up in Mount Pleasant, Michigan, my tribe is the Redfoot Chippewas. So she actually know, knows her tribe. I do. All right. I'm, rec- I'm <laughs> recognized by my tribe. If yeah. I moved back to Michigan, I would get those stipends and that free health wow. insurance okay, and go to school okay. for free. Come but, on. You know, I've graduated from 313. Yeah. Even though that's where I'm from. I love it. Right, right. <laughs> but yeah, what you see is what you get for the most part. Um, I got a lot of my recognition and a lot of my visibility um, from being a service provider, um, quote unquote, the help in a very unwavering way for 14 years. I call myself um, an ex fairy godmother because I provided a different level of service for the everyday woman and for the celebrity woman or man in a way that they could not forge for themselves. In my mind, if you have to pay someone to use their hands to get to a level of esteem, that's a gatekeeper. Mm -hmm. That's someone Mm -hmm. who has a different level of power. Um, So I got my start as a fairy godmother, a gatekeeper in beauty. Um, But after about 10 years, 15 years, I really got tired after you know, being a makeup artist on the Real Housewives of Atlanta, being a makeup artist for the hip, Love and Hip Hop, being a makeup artist for the Keisha Cole, the way it is show, being a makeup artist for Grand Hustle and for the Tiny and Toya, excuse me, the Tiny and T.I. Family Hustle Value. After being in Atlanta for that amount of time and watching the decline in black supremacy to black mm. exploitation, I no mm. longer gave a damn about these girls' baby hairs or their mm. lashes <laughs> because that's my gift. Okay, and I'm not doing it so you can feel fab and go right. and make somebody else feel bad about not having the access to the twelve hundred dollar lace front. That's that doesn't real. make me feel good because I know what you look like. I covered okay. that black eye for you. So how dare you, person A, get on camera with my gifts and make person B feel bad about it when you didn't even do that for yourself. That Don't part. use my gifts for that reason. Ooh. And moreover, all that baby hair ain't worth a damn when they shoot you. Mm. Okay. Hello. Okay, it's not made. Baby hair isn't made of Teslon. <laughs> neither is makeup. Neither of all of those things. So for me, um, I got to a certain point where I just felt that my impact and the gift that I had had to be in a way that could be invested into my people, mm-hmm. and it's something that mattered. So yeah, that led me to where I am now. I used all of my connections and cashed in all of my contacts and favors to get in certain rooms and create conversations. And it's been great going from the help to the star. Hello, it's Hello. Sade. Hello. Yes. You yes, have made yes. <laughs> the building. That's what I'm talking about. Speaking of being a star, we do have the Banji Boombox coming up soon. Yes. And that's that's a big deal just on the strength Huge. of it's a Hip Hop 50 celebration, but yes. it's focused on the LGBTQ plus yes. community. And our contributions into hip hop because we know so many times just as people of color specifically, what it means to be erased from history and mm-hmm. what it means for things to be convoluted as far as what really happened and transpired. So it's great for us to even have the ability to foster the community and facilitate these types of events off of our own minds and with our own hands for us and by us. So, yes, August 5th, Banji Boombox presented by The Mothership. I'm hosting along with my co-host Mark Angel, um, DJ Liquid and DJ Mary Mack. Great great black queer representatives mm-hmm. who are amazing DJs. They commissioned me for this project and I'm ready. Yeah. Super excited. So talk about like, I'm assuming you are into hip hop, right? I am. How, do you, how do you reconcile? Cause like, I think about this too, like just as a black woman, like hip hop hasn't always been 
inclusive. Inclusive. Okay. So, you know, talk about that. How do you reconcile, like, your passion for it versus sometimes you might hear something that's like, yeah, no, that's not cool. But you still love it because you see the potential and it still speaks to you in some way. So for me as an individual, and I'm going to make this as an I statement, I oftentimes do my best to speak from I positions and not from a broad perspective because my experience is not everyone's experience. Mm -hmm. I come from a place of privilege. I had the privilege of making these vixens look good. I had the pleasure of providing a service to these rappers' wives. So, honey, I was valued. I've always loved hip-hop, and I was always respected within hip-hop construct. Funny story, Gucci Man was the very first video shoot I ever did in production, did not pay me on time, and he mm. tore up the video shoot. Ooh. I was 19 years old. I believe wow. that. Wow. Yeah. I was 19. It was for the, um, Gucci, you don't love me. Gucci, ah, you don't love me. I think I love her. Right. Mac Breezy was um, the girl's, um, his, the girl who was featured on it. Yeah. At any rate, hip-hop has always been a part of everything that I did. You know, being raised in Motown, music and rhythm by black folk is really what runs through my veins. But hip-hop, as someone who was born and raised in the 90s, that's a part of who I am. Okay. So for me, I always have to speak about the privilege of being a part of that nuanced group that has been accepted in hip hop. But I also have to speak about how on the outside looking in, how we've been separated from it, how we have been marginalized. And when I say we, I'm talking about the lesbians, the blacks, the gays, the intersex, so on and so forth. Um, and really, to be honest, I'm gonna wake it up a little bit, not so much to lesbians. Um, really, mm. the, the bisexuals and the gays, you know, <laughs> pop culture and cishet folks love lesbians. Yeah. It's it's definitely fetishized. Um, but I think what's so interesting about our contribution as queer folk in pop culture and in hip hop is that it does not go anywhere without our influence. That creativity. So ever. <sighs> there are certain things that I don't think that we've spoken about enough as a culture about things that are exclusive to us. We like to speak all day long about what's exclusive to the female or what's exclusive to the black straight man, but we never talk about what's exclusive to the queer folk and that creativity, that color, that passion, that oomph. Nine times out of ten either comes from a queer person or comes from a black woman who has queer nuances, mm -hmm. to be quite honest because with you. I, I'll they say intersect. Right, we occupy the same spaces, mm -hmm. the beauty salon. Mm -hmm. They yeah, intersect. Yeah. Fashion designer or like, yeah. They, yeah. they intersect because when we're talking about black males in hip hop, and I said black males specifically because it's a male-dominated industry, you don't really see the actual puppeteers being put on the right. forefront the same way that we don't see the mamas and the aunties being celebrated the way that they should about why all of us are in the positions that we're in today. Because if I turn to you and you and you and ask you who was most impactful in your life, you're going to say mama. If I yeah. ask you who was the person who went up to the school looking a fool to find out who was messing with their baby, it was your mama. mama. If I ask you who was the one who looked crazy while you had a haircut, while you had barrettes in your hair, while you had on a pair of Jordans, it was your mother. So I think that those, while we can celebrate hip-hop when we're having these types of conversations, I think that what has been missing 
as far as LGBTQIA folk and why this festival is so important is because it truly shines the light on the impact that we've had behind the curtain of mm-hmm. The Wizard of Oz. Now, I can't let you get away with saying Jordan over here because I, I hated him growing up, and you know why. But, however, <laughs> being here and who you are, mm-hmm. right? Now, we was talking off mic about how where we're from in Detroit, it's a cultural island yes. in that sense, right? Yes. You showing up who you are today, but what was your first memory that you can recall of awareness that, hey, I might be a little bit different because that city is a black and white town. A lot of Midwest cities are, but Detroit definitely is black and white. You either this or you that. You either with us or you with them. That's right. You either black or you white. It ain't no none of that. You either boy or you girl. That's right. So what was that like for you having this awareness and dealing with it? On top, not not to cut you off, but like on top of that, adding in your background, your your cultural background too, Detroit and your cultural background. I'm ready to add another layer to it. So what's interesting is I came out of the womb with that kind of experience because my mother's side of the family is Jehovah's Witness. Oh, and that's your Ethiopian side? My, no, that's the, that's Native, the Native American, American? side. So what's interesting about it is <sighs> technically I came out to my family at four as trans. I was born in 1990. I'm 32. I'll be 33 in October. Um, so that was 1994. But what's interesting about it is that because I come from a long line of scholars, I was speaking full sentences by three, and my mm-hmm. earliest memory is three. When I caught that plane to go and see my family in Alabama the first time, like I remember all the way back to three. Wow. So with that being said, everything that took place from birth to three or four, watching my grandmother, my aunts, my cousins do field service, have the door slammed in their face, be a part of a demographic that was not that, that you were in that you were excluded from black culture, not because of your sexual orientation, not because of your identity, not because of your expression, but because of who you pray to or Mm. because of your religion. So this is what's interesting about nuanced conversations about oppression. I try to tell people all day, (laughs) every day, baby, the victim is the only thing that changes about oppression, Mm -hmm. not the mechanisms. It's only Mm. so many ways that you can oppress a people. And it was super impactful to answer your question growing up, watching my grandmother get the door slammed in her face, watching my family be people who were outed and axed and excommunicated from their communities based off of their own belief system. So I grew up tough. I grew up with parents who didn't give a damn. I grew up with folks who had their head held high, went and got their money. And what's interesting is that even though I never really subscribed to it, it was something very powerful about not being of the world, even though I didn't subscribe to that, being able to hold on to whatever your belief system is unwaveringly and not be moved by the public is the catalyst to how, when that's the first memory. That's, that's really the best way that I can put it. That's where that came from. So at four at my mother's wedding, when they tried to put me in that tuxedo and I tow up that wedding, like, girl, no, this is not (laughs) happening. You know, I had the ability because of education, because of the cloth in which that I had come from, and because of the way that my mother raised me to be vocal, I had the ability to speak up for myself. They just never expected it for that for that target to aim to them because my mother loved her to death, loved my family to death. They made a lot of mistakes, but the one thing that they effed up with me was not adding that fine print except for me. 
Because once I was able to start talking, I was telling my mother, oh, no, you know you don't have control over my expression, right? Your responsibilities after I've gotten to this point is to be my consultant. This is my life, and I tell you what I want, and you consult with me and do what you can to help me get where I'm going. You are not my manager. You are my consultant, and my expression is not to be policed by you. The same way this can't be policed by me, and I don't like it. The same way you do that. And grand- granddaddy don't like it. So that fierceness comes from them folk being on the outs and me watching them hold their heads held high. So when it came down to me having to go out into the world on my own and be a representative for self, I didn't have an issue with that because of that reason. And I was the only child. Okay. Ooh. So, like, I was raised on Seven Mile and Evergreen. Not only yeah. was I going to have to fight, not only did I have people who stood on their own ground, I was black and queer at the at the exact same time. So that is the earliest memory, and that is probably the the strongest catalyst. Even though I don't subscribe to Jehovah Witness, even though that's a whole different conversation. Were they accepting of that though? Yeah. Because absolutely not. Okay, because it's because I'm sure there wasn't right. even really. My family did not accept. My family trans. didn't accept queerness until they realized I was a girl. Okay. Okay. When I initially came out as trans at four. Um, my grandmother was the one who I told, and um, she was like, "Baby, please, just wear this suit for me one time, and I promise you, you will never have to do it again." And I was like, "All right, girl, I'll hold <laughs> Look, you to that. I'll hold you to that." <laughs> but what's interesting, just to do a brief timeline from four to eleven, it was kind of hell because I was trying to figure out the language for okay. who I was. I was trying to figure out how to speak to myself and where to gain my power as someone who did not have cousins to look out for me because mm-hmm. I was the only only one. So my grandparents had four girls, and those four girls had all boys. Wow. <laughs> okay. Wow. Okay. Jeez. So, and my mother, my mother was the one of the sisters who kind of half-assed the Jehovah Witness stuff. Okay. So my co- her sisters and her her mother were devout. So I was on the outs with my cousins. I didn't have that type of lifestyle where I can call my cousin or I can call my uncles or I can call my mama because these were a conservative people. So between 4 and 11, I had to figure out how to speak to that myself. I had to figure out how to stand on that myself. So that was an issue, but I was a baby. When I came to them again at 11, my mama sent my ass to boarding school four hours away, and I was in boarding school from 11 until 14. Oh, wow. When I came home at 14 from boarding school, my hair was long, eyebrows were arched. It backfired on them because the, <laughs> head, the headmistress of the academy was like the trunchbull from Matilda, this big, brolic, white, lesbian lady. Ah, brolic. And she, and she, I haven't heard that word in a minute. She, she, she empowered, that's, that's the New York influence. <laughs> she, she empowered me. So when I came home, my family rushed to accept the idea of gayness Got because it. it was, oh, no, 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 no. You are, right. man, you cannot be no girl. Right. By this point, my mother had gotten pregnant with my little sister. So now it had went from, I don't want my child to be this to you not going to be doing this around my baby mm-hmm. type of situation. Okay. A lot of people say that though. Like I, I see that a lot in comments. You're like, not going to do this around my child. You're not going to influence my child. So they put my ass out on the street. Sheesh. I came home July 2005, and I was out on that streets November 
2005. My best friend's mother, shout out to Mildred Gaddis, an amazing legend radio, back home. Legend. Legend. Icon, really. Radio icon, legend. Yeah. Icon, really. Yeah. Um, gave me one of her rental properties and wow. was like, day day, go and stay there. Um, and it and it worked out. But regardless, it was not until they realized that I was a woman that they rushed to try to accept gayness but that's not how i identify so it still backfired on them um yeah from your scholar mind what is it about a group of people who had went through an experience of being outed okay and then turn around and do the same thing within their own tribe ask me a different different way like what is that about like you just went through this where you was talking about how they were jehovah witness they had the door oh, slammed oh, in oh, their oh, face oh, oh, oh. but then within their own tribe so, they do the same thing oppress people mm-hmm. yeah oppressing, oppressing each other. out there yeah each other. So I'm going to I'm I'm radical with my speech. I'm going to I'm going to center it, but It's 50 years. That's house nigga. <laughs> that's house nigga behavior. Mhm. It's house nigga behavior. It's the oppressed trying to oppress because at the end of the day, guess what, homeboy? You're going to have to accept your position on that scale of hierarchy. I don't give a damn how you right. feel about it. You're still black. You're still a man. You're still a black trans woman. You're still all of these things. No matter if it's 2023, 20, that don't take away from the nuanced experiences, my love. So it's that reason why that's the case. Now, do I agree with it? No. Do I think it's effed up? Absolutely. But I think that that is the answer as to why. It's because the oppressed, the truly what's the word I want to use? When it's purely indebted, oppression is purely indebted in a person's mind, they become an instrument for the oppressor. An advocate Mm -hmm. for it, yeah. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. And if they come for one group, they're going to come for another. It's they always are. give them an inch, they're going to take five miles. And I, I got to say, like, I mean, cis women and trans women, there is an intersection at which we all experience transphobia, right? Correct. Like, women like Sierra, uh, Serena Williams, Meg Thee Stallion. Correct. I've even seen video clips in, like, of just regular women where they try to go to the bathroom and someone is, like, trying to, is, like, demanding to know, are you biological woman or not and what? that happens a lot to women particularly black women particularly dark-skinned black women mm-hmm. it happens mm-hmm. a lot so we have a lot more in common than i think people want to acknowledge but that, but, but i don't think that that's because of transphobia though mm. okay like i'm the i'm the real one of the girls, okay? I get a lot of flack from my trans peers because I'm not with the okie doke and I believe in ABC, one, two, three, mm-hmm. black and white. They, you know, give it's a, binary for me. Give us some, some examples of that because I, I always talk to a lot of people about uh, certain groups in the LGBTQIA uh, community who kind of discriminate against their own their okay. very and own I absolutely said that too. Mm-hmm. i saw it in the that's where i was going of yeah i, 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 I want to hear I some detail yeah. well let's tell LGBTQ. people what we what we're getting to we talking about that clip that resurfaced 
of the individual that was stating about what is womanhood, like right? Or women women don't own periods. Right. And Jess Hilarious look, had look, agreed look, with First it. of all, she had to re, <laughs> reposition <laughs> herself with this one. And agree with it. And <laughs> what Bay has showed us was, mm. was you, you, you can go into that, but you have revealed some more things that people did that not know through that, not throughout know. that conversation. Yeah. So, so get into it. I want to start. I'm going to go one, two, mm-hmm, three. Mm-hmm. That's not a trans thing. Okay. Y'all been getting called men way before the last 15 Racism. years. Like, oh. Y'all exactly. have been called mm-hmm. masculine presenting mm-hmm. way before trans women got visibility. Okay. Okay. Yep. And That's for That's me, for me, it is a responsibility of female biologically born women, especially those who've been here between at least 1968 well, who were born between like 1968 and let's say 1970, you have a responsibility to speak to. When I'm an Ru- 80s baby. You, gotta, you, <laughs> you have a responsibility to speak to when Ruth Bader Ginsburg was the one who had the swing vote on the Supreme Court deciding if females were allowed to be in military academy mm-hmm. in 1996. Mm-hmm. Okay? And that's just one very small yeah. legislative example about how We had, and when I say we, I'm talking about black folk. Mm -hmm. We had an experience where a female in large, specifically the black femme figures, have been denounced. The denouncing of your demographic, my love, has nothing to do with black trans women. And what's unfortunate about it is I really wish that you guys would attack the system rather than looking for another demographic to attack no, that I, you, I that you, not you specifically, but that females think are impressionable or weak enough to be under siege. It's a Spider-Man that, meme. That's the only reason. Because <laughs> there's all there's overlap. Racism, capitalism, transphobia, homophobia, like, there's overlap. They so. inter they intersect, but I think it's important to speak about the reasoning. Is my point. Mm-hmm. You know, you guys are not being likened to masculinity because of the existence or the visibility of transness. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Those have no things to do with each other. Okay, because I know some. I know Miss Odessa in Mississippi who got a mustache and got some good coochie right now. <laughs> okay. okay, and she's married to Mr. William and been with him for the last thirty years, and they, six, and they got six, and they got six. They got six daughters, and this is hypothetical. And Mr. William and Miss Odessa got Maybe six not. girls, and all six of them got that same mustache. And guess what? All six of them is married. Guess what? All six of them got 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 that little girls that oh. are celebrated, are great mothers. So there are a lot of these different things that have been likened to masculinity. Right, right, right. You know, a little whisker. You know, a bigger back. It's a lot mm-hmm, of different mm-hmm, things mm-hmm. that have existed over time about gender identity expression for females being policed and that nuance is not new it's just in my opinion females looking for somebody to blame Mm -hmm. which is a female thing that's a different conversation Mm. i want to go to yours let's do it unfortunately and um i know you two or maybe it was you um said that you saw the flame and roll um conversation that i that i that i take that and what's so interesting is um you got it most people are shocked to believe that i and we largely feel trans women largely feel the most unsafe with our own people yikes i believe it okay um 
And I think it's because of the exact same reason why we face the challenges we face with females. Because when we're talking about things being systemic, okay, and crabbing a barrel mindset, unfortunately, finally, the gay has got somebody they can step on. Unfortunately, right. finally, the bisexual folks got somebody That's that they real. can step on. And as I said a little bit earlier, the same way that the house nigga looks for the white gays, G-A-Z-E, for the people, <laughs> is the same way that a lot of queer folk seek out the cisgender heteronormative gays. Okay. Oh, yeah, I'm a gay, but you know, at least I don't think I'm a girl. At least I know I'm a man. Or uh, I'm a gay, but you know, I calm that stuff down when I go around my parents out of respect for them. You, you're a pick me, love. So that's what it's about. It's about social hierarchy. Not even that. I know that's just an example, but like, is that respect or fear? Is what respect or fear? When you're like, I calm myself down to be around people out of respect. Neither. It's foolishness. (laughs) <laughs> it's foolishness love my parents to death love them to death but i honor my mother and my father by not letting nobody play with me mm. okay and for me you don't there's no honor in me discrediting my experience for you i don't give a damn if you're my mother or not okay it was dishonorable when you was laid up with that man that you wasn't married to it was dishonorable when you let him disrespect your child it was it was dishonorable when you know that all of the different nuances that we experiences experience as black children who are led by a single mother unfortunately so it's for that reason what was your question I don't know, but I'm getting incredibly homesick right now by your energy. <laughs> I, I was about to be like that meme, that black child shed right. that tear. Because <laughs> I don't think anybody here understands because when you leave back home and you go home, you and not to blend myself into your personal experience, but there is a thing when you leave home, you go back about presenting your full self and what you evolved into. That's right. And they're not as accepting. I know if they have not been accepting to me as a heterosexual male, cisgender male, I know I can only I can't even imagine what you had to go to through each visit because my visits my visits became shorter. Well, you want to know something? I actually did not visit Detroit for 15 years after I left. I believe it. You know, like I didn't see my mother for 10. I didn't see I did not lay eyes on my mother from age 15 until 25. Wow. Because I was I was dedicated to make it. Mm -hmm. I was dedicated, you know, to make it and to make it without having to do a lot of the things that my peers have had to do because of survival. I was willing to be a little hungry, you know, sometimes. I was willing to be a little cold sometimes. You know, hell, it was a diploma on the other side of that thing. You know, it was home ownership on the other side Mm -hmm. of that thing. It was a passport. It was notoriety, visibility, currency, equity, so many different things that really kept me from that experience and the only the experience of going back and the only reason that I did go back when I did was for the the to mourn the death of my great grandmother but I was even then only there for a day I love Detroit to death love what it's done for me but I personally have no purpose of going back I'll always keep a 313 number I'll always rep my seeds to the fullest would have never wanted to be anywhere but from Detroit but 
I'm I'm with you when you write. Yeah, like I have responsibilities, so I have my niece who's my number one in my life, right? Okay. And I don't think our story could be any different from somebody who's born and raised in Jersey, left out, whatever. We just we just have in our moment in That's this right. in this way. However, when did you become when did your comfortability set in that you can mean was it a defining moment? Did you wake up or did you look back on that I when was you became like whole? This. Okay. Oh, I was always like this. I gave my people hell. <laughs> You know, <laughs> at, at 32, looking back, you know, I appreciate my experience, but who I gave them people hell. Like, I was hell-bent on expressing myself the way I wanted to express myself. I was hell-bent on not being policed. There was not one ass-whooping that could dissuade me. There was not a group of friends. I was raised to march and stand on the beat of my own drum. But as I said a little bit earlier, it just ended up backfiring on the leaders in my family because they never gave me that fine print of, but not me, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. you know? Um, so it made everyone not exempt. So I came out the womb like that, like, um, excuse me. No. Right. You know, so a backhand was my best friend as a child. Cause who you talking to? I love it. <laughs> quick, quick, quickly, quickly. I want to, um, ask you about the whole Jess Hilarious okay. uh, conversation quickly before we go because we definitely need to talk about that. One, there there were uh, facts that you gave, you know, while we talked about this off camera that I even had no idea about, which is like kind of fucking up for the community, That's you know? Right. So quickly talk about the situation. What exactly happened? Who said what? And your thoughts on it. So real briefly, real brief, for whatever reason, I don't I don't know how Jess may have even stumbled upon this video that was two years old. Stumbled. The video was two years old, first of all. Mm-hmm. Secondly, the person who created the video falls under the umbrella of the non-binary mm-hmm. trans sector of it. And that's my, my next statement is not to invalidate that experience, but I do not think that there's enough conversations about the fact that you got to stay in your lane. Mm-hmm. The same way that we as black trans women don't got no business talking about your menstruation cycle is the same way that you as someone who's not on hormones, someone who has not had any gender affirming surgery, someone who walks out into the world and your mama, your friends, your neighbor, and the pan- the man at the gas pump says he, him, and his to you. You have no business speaking and taking the stage for me or people like me. Mm-hmm. That's problem number one. But here's what's interesting about it. I don't even really fought that individual enough because that person did I don't really fought that person because that person did not have the platform until Jess decided to give that person the platform that she gave them. What's unfortunate about it is that Jess and I have had actual conversations in the public eye about these type of topics. And unfortunately, she's smart enough to have avoided this situation because common sense if you were baited if you were truly listening if you have the level of education which Mm -hmm. let's be real (laughs) 90 percent of folks don't don't understand context so contextually if we take what the individual on that video said they said that um females don't cannot gatekeep womanhood because you don't own it that um menstruation is not exclusive to you so if we use our common sense right there obviously we're not talking about trans women because trans women don't menstruate so the only other person that that leaves is trans men who that person is not so why is it that you with your common sense are then 
with your gun of words just targeting black trans women for an issue that is not even relative to us. That's no different from what they did a few years ago with that tampon, with the tampons mm-hmm. issue. When the trans man wrote them and asked for them to be more inclusive, removed the female um, symbol from the box and the color pink because he didn't identify as a woman. However, he was pre-op, so he still dealt with menstruation. Okay, guess what? When that went public, guess who got the brunt of it? Black trans women. Okay, wow. I don't understand. Where, like, why did I get in it? Right. How did I get in it? <laughs> so with this, with this, unfortunately, I think. Also, want to remember say that it wasn't. It was, he's not even a trans woman, right? No. That's, no, that's, that's the, the huge thing. Like, you know, so again, no that's what I mean. When I say, like, I don't want to invalidate that person's experience. So if they are a non-binary trans individual, that is an experience. Mm-hmm. But I am willing to be radical as a black trans woman who has the position at this current moment to say that's not something that we are comfortable with. Okay? It feels exactly the same hearing that type of stage being taken by somebody who doesn't live that experience as you may feel about trans women speaking about something about the female experience. You out of line, my brother. Mm-hmm. You out of line. That's not a stage for you to take. But even more so, Jess Hilarious has a responsibility to use her education and to use better line of discernment with her platform because at the end of the day, that could have been an experience and she's it's, in a position to know exactly, especially knowing people. me, yeah. knowing actual trans people. That could have been a great don't. moment for her to shine a light on trans men because we don't have the conversations about the autonomy of trans men's body. We don't have the conversation about the nuances that trans men, you know, go through. And they're very much so like black men where when black women, specifically trans women, are under siege, they say nothing the same way this black cis men, for the most part, say nothing when the black female or the black auntie or the black grandmother is under siege. The parallels are exactly the same. So for me, love just hilarious to death, but I don't think that that really had anything to do with anything besides her own personal afflictions or issues with trans folk. And I also resent T.S. Madison for getting involved in it as well, because at the end of the day, your ass should not be having anything to say about anything because we only hear from you when it's something negative or clout based. We don't hear about you, you know, getting in, involved in nonprofit organizations to help girls who are newly transitioned reenter to society under a new gender marker or name. We don't hear about you going to the prisons and trying to get these trans women who who are housed with black men into a different quarter where they're safer. We don't hear about you taking your talents down to Capitol Hill and brigading and marching with other people. We don't. You're only there for a camera op. You're only there for this, that, and third. And then how dare you liken her experience, just hilarious this, her experience to only being what it is because she looks like a man. Are you serious? And what's unfortunate about it is that we are so caught up and exploiting each other, tearing each other down, being right in each situation that we don't realize that we're just digging ourselves digger, deeper into mm-hmm. the grave. So it's really all really become extremely unfortunate because the nuances of these experiences are largely policed and robbed and people who are outsiders 
which you guys can empathize with as black folks, then take on the identities and make us look crazy. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. Rachel Dolezal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, excuse me, her name is Nkichi now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just, I just got one more before we go. Just, go just ahead. one. I just, <laughs> I just want to ask you, what would you like your voice to be heard as, as you start to have these more speaking engagements and moving forward? What would you like your voice to be known for? Honestly, that's a really good question. Thank you, first of all, because this is going to be an impactful response. My experience is very unique because, you know, when I left home, I transitioned, but I only did it for about a year before I decided to hang it up because I wanted to survive more than be a girl. Mm. Okay? I had to have that conversation that you have with young girls at 15 when you say, baby, that hair going to be there. Mm. Baby, them dudes going to be there. Baby, them parties going to be there. Go to school. So for me, I want to be known at this point as I, you know, work towards, you know, publishing some things that I've penned. As I work towards potentially being a part of podcasts or radio shows or into activism, I want to be known for my fullness as a person of color because I have an experience that's really exclusive to me because you are going to have a hard time finding a black trans woman who will say, I was that nigga before I transitioned. I was. Mm-hmm. I was not dead or in jail before 18. I was not dead or in jail before 21. I was not dead or in jail before 25. I was a homeowner before 25. I was a six-figure earner before 25. And that, for our culture, is something that should be celebrated. Regardless to the fact that I may have had dysphoria or dysmorphia or any of those things, that has nothing to do with the investment that I made into our culture and then to go on as a black trans woman and not use my platform or privileges for body exploitation or to be a bad bitch, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. For me, I want for people to understand what it's like for a black person to make it by their own design. And I'm not talking about wealth, financial wealth. I'm not talking about notoriety or any of those things. I'm talking about you being able to succeed at the beat of your own drum comfortably so that's what I want to be known for the fact that I did it my way that I was unwavering and radical in it and that I always showed up punctually and ready to go and not needing any direction or directives about my decorum because I'm rooted in the idea of black supremacy okay Mm. period wow we got to wrap this up I mean we could go on (laughs) this is a complex conversation but um i think one of the takeaways is the more you have conversations with people the more you you see their humanity and i just think we need to talk don't stop with the insults and yelling at each other and trying to get all i would love to add something to that this is like one of my most famous personal quotes um you spoke of humanity and i always say Humanity can and does exist, even in the absence of empathy, understanding, morality, and principle. It does not have to make sense to you. I can live my life how I want to as your neighbor, and you can't stop shit. Okay. Okay? If I can afford to move into this house next door to you, it doesn't matter what you feel about how I blast my music. It doesn't matter how my kids live. It doesn't matter what my principles are because you ain't stopping shit. And I think that if we as black folks get to that place like the Black Panthers, like Malcolm X, where we stop 
trying to be coddled by the white gays or by the class gays, then we can get to a place where we march to the beat of our own drum in spite of humanity because humanity says that everybody got to seat this table. Killers, dope dealers, pastors, first ladies, autistic, trans, gay, rich, poor. Humanity exists even in the absence of empathy and understanding and morality. So we'll end on that. Somebody note. find Mike a mic drop. drop. <laughs> I look, I literally said it. I said <laughs> Mike some drop. <laughs> Let me see if I can find it. Thank y'all for having me, by the way. Thank no you. Yeah, thanks it. for coming. Nah, we appreciate it.